Section 49 of Tales from Dickens. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Maria Therese. Tales from Dickens by Hallie Ermine Rivers. Our Mutual Friend, Bella and the Golden Dustman. It was not long before John Rokesmith, the secretary, was very much in love with Bella indeed. Bella saw this plainly, but the fine house and costly clothes had quite spoiled her, and thinking him only a poor secretary and her father's lodger, she treated him almost with contempt. Yet he would not tell her who he was, for he did not want her to marry him merely because of the money it would bring her. She hurt his feelings often, but in spite of it she could not help being attracted to him. He had a way, too, of looking at her that made her feel how proud and unjust she was, and sometimes made her quite despise herself. But having had a taste of the pleasures and comforts that wealth would bring, Bella had quite determined when she married to marry nobody but a very rich man. Mr. and Mrs. Boffin both noticed how changed she was growing from her own sweet self, and regretted it, for they liked Bella, and they liked the secretary, too, and they could easily see that the latter was in love with her. One day Mrs. Boffin went to the secretary's room for something. As she entered, Rokesmith, who was sitting sadly over the fire, looked up with a peculiar expression that told the good woman all in a flash who he was. "'I know you now,' she cried. "'You little John Harmon!' In the joy and surprise she almost fainted, but he caught her and set her down beside him. Just then in came Mr. Boffin, and the secretary told them the whole story, and how he now loved Bella they would not declare himself because of her contempt. Both Mr. and Mrs. Boffin were so glad to know he was really alive, they fell to crying with joy. The Golden Dustman declared that no matter how the last will read, John should have the fortune for his own. Rokesmith, or Harmon, at first refused to do this, but Mr. Boffin swore that if he did not, he himself would not touch the money, and it would have to go to the crown anyway. So at last it was agreed that Mr. Boffin should keep a small portion for his own, but that the other should take all the rest. Mr. Boffin wanted to tell everybody the truth at once, but John would not let them. You see, he wouldn't marry Bella for anything unless she loved him for himself alone, and she was growing so fond of riches, and there seemed little chance of this happening. Nevertheless, they believed that at heart Bella was good and sweet, if they could only get her to her real self, so Mr. Boffin that moment made a plan. He determined to show Bella how much unhappiness misused riches could cause, and how too much money might sometimes spoil the kindest and best people. As a lesson to her in this, he was to pretend gradually to turn into a mean, hard-hearted miser. They agreed that he should begin to treat the secretary harshly and unjustly in Bella's presence, feeling sure that her true self would stand up for him when he was slighted, and be kinder to him when he seemed poorest and most friendless. The Golden Dustman began a new plan that very night. Every day he made himself act like a regular brown bear, and every evening he would say, I'll be a grizzly or old growler tomorrow. He made the secretary slave from morning till night, and found fault with him, and sneered at his poverty, and cut down his wages. Each afternoon, when he went walking with Bella, Mr. Boffin would make her go into bookshops and inquire if they had any book about a miser. If they had, he would buy it, no matter what it cost, and lug it home to read. He began to drive hard bargains for everything he bought, and all his talk came to be about money, and the fine thing it was to have it. "'Go in for money, my dear,' he would say to Bella. "'Money's the article. 
you'll make money of your good looks and of the money mrs boffin and me will leave you and you'll live and die rich that's the state to live and die in rich bella was greatly shocked at the sorrowful change in mr boffin wealth began to look less lovely when she saw him growing so miserly she began to wonder if she herself might ever become like that too and sometimes when she thought how kind and generous the old mr boffin had been she fairly hated money and wished it had never been invented there was an old woman who peddled knitting work through the country whom mr and mrs boffin had befriended and to whom they had given a letter to carry wherever she went this letter asked whoever should find her if she fell sick to let them know the old woman fell and died one day by the roadside near the spot where lizzie hexam was now living and lizzie finding the letter wrote about it to mr and mrs boffin they sent the secretary and bella to make arrangements for the poor woman's burial and in this way bella met lizzie and became her friend lizzie soon told her all her story and bella seeing how unselfishly she loved began to think her own ambition to marry for money a mean and ignoble thing she thought how patient and kind the secretary had always been and knowing he loved her wished heartily that her own coldness had not forbidden him to tell her so one day mr boffin's pretended harsh treatment of his secretary seemed to come to a climax he sent for him to come to the room where mrs boffin and bella sat and made a fearful scene he said he had just heard that he rokesmith had been presuming on his position to make love to bella a young lady who wanted to marry money who had a right to marry money and who was very far from wanting to marry a poor beggar of a private secretary he threw the wages that were due rokesmith on the floor and discharged him on the spot telling him the sooner he could pack up and leave the better then at last in the face of this apparent meanness and injustice bella saw herself and mr boffin's money and john rokesmith's love and dignity all in their true light she burst out crying begged rokesmith's forgiveness told mr boffin he was an old wretch of a miser and when the secretary had gone she said rokesmith was a gentleman and worth a million boffins and she would not stay in the house a minute longer then she packed up her things and went straight to her father's office all the other clerks had gone home for it was after hours and she put her head on his shoulder and told him all about it and while they were talking in came john rokesmith and seeing her there alone with her father rushed to her and caught her in his arms my dear brave noble generous girl he said and bella feeling all at once that she had never been quite so happy in her life laid her head on his breast as if that were the one place for it in all the world they had a talk together and then walked home to mr wilfer's poor little house bella's father agreeing that she had done exactly the proper thing and bella herself feeling so happy now in having john rokesmith's love that she cared not a bit for the fine mansion and clothes and money of the boffins which she had left for ever a few days later john rokesmith and bella were married and went to live in a little furnished cottage outside of london where they settled down as happy as two birds in the section forty nine